Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. Today our topic is law firm growth. Our guest, Thomas Clay, is a principal of Altman Weil and has 30 years of experience consulting to the legal profession. He's here today to discuss strategic planning and specifically the question of rational growth. Are mergers the answer in today's legal environment? Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Christina. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about the climate right now in the industry in terms of growth strategy. Does the grow or die mentality still apply in the legal profession? I think that's a terrific question to start with because it's such a large strategic question. And as you mentioned, this is what we want to focus on. It's just incredibly significant. Is there a growth imperative? So I want to give you some thoughts that we have about that, but also some data that would support maybe thinking about growth. And I should mention that law firms have historically thought about growth in terms of headcount mainly um, in their strategic planning. But our thinking is that it's an issue of capacity and demand now, a very, very critical dynamic in the marketplace. And as demand shrinks, and there's no doubt that it is in the legal profession, a real hard strategic look at capacity is necessary, and that's obviously a large part of what you do or do not do with with respect to headcount growth. So we're advising firms to stop thinking about growth only or primarily in terms of headcount, but think about it in terms of profitability, profit margins without necessarily Growing, And I'd like to give you some thoughts about why we believe that's such an important and critical issue for firms to decide today and then make decisions based upon maybe data that's different from how they had in the past. So I should comment that there is a survey we do each year since the recession, and many firms participate in this. It's American U.S. law firms of 50 lawyers and more. Uh, It's called Law Firms in Transition, and it is available on our website for free. Uh, So we think it's an important strategic resource for all sorts of firms to use. But one of the questions in there that we started two years ago asking is this, do you believe growth in terms of lawyer headcount is a requirement for your law firm's continued success? And I would hazard a guess that had we asked that question pre-recession that overwhelmingly the answer would have been yes. But the data show for last year that 43% of the respondents said no and 8% said they weren't sure. So a little over 50% were not necessarily wedded to headcount growth. And I think that's instructive of what many law firms and law firm leaders are beginning to be thoughtful about in a different way is should we grow um, for very specific reasons that may be not headcount in that respect. So I would ask you to take a look at, at that survey. There's a lot of additional data in there that might inform strategic planning. So the I call it the sacred mantra of grow or die uh, that you mentioned, Christina. I don't think that's something that should necessarily be part of any firm's overarching uh, agreement that that's a necessity because it isn't. So let me give you a a few more facts. 
Um, I have heard over the years, probably in the last two or three more than otherwise, from many firms, partners who've said, we're not growing, we're losing ground. And often I'll ask, but you're making more money. (laughs) Isn't that important? Mm -hmm. But there's this perception, if we're not growing, that everybody else must be, and we're therefore losing ground. So I wanted to look at some data and to be data-driven. And we did an analysis of the NLJ 250, which folks might know is um, the 250 largest U.S. firms by headcount. And we looked at their growth for 10 years pre-recession, and it was incredibly robust. In the aggregate, that group of law firms and lawyers grew at a 70% growth rate, which was pretty phenomenal. And the issue there was um, demand continued to rise for services, uh, and it was robust. Well, then we decided let's take a look at this post-recession. So we did the same analysis with those 250 firms, some of which were new to the 250 and some of which went away uh, because they died. But what we found was a very, very different and compelling picture, which was since the recession, that cohort of 250 firms in actuality only grew at an aggregate, in the aggregate, of about 2.3%. So you can see from a 70% plus to a 2.3%. And when we accepted out those firms who acquired lawyers outside the United States, that cohort of firms actually shrank. So it wasn't true that you were necessarily losing ground because in the aggregate, the NLJ 250 was shrinking. Now, having said that, um, some of them grew and some of them didn't. Some of them didn't quite large measures. So I I just want to impress upon folks that growth is not necessarily necessary for profitability or, or any thing of that kind. And it is a large, large strategic issue. And I'm always reminded of Peter Drucker's famous comment to don't mistake fat for muscle. So Mm -hmm. that's some data, Christina, that I think folks can, can take a look at and be thoughtful about as they look at strategic plans and ask the big strategic question, what is the best thing for us to do in terms of growth, and how does our expected demand capacity ratio measure into that? All right. So so the other sort of um, solution, perhaps, if you will, that sort of comes to mind, you know, are mergers the answer? Do you think we will see an increased number of combinations in the U.S. marketplace over the next few years? Well, we'll sort of, if we can, segment that a bit between big deals and then medium deals and small deals. And obviously the big deals get most of the notoriety. And there, well, let's say in 2014, there were a number of big deals that occurred uh, in in the United States and worldwide. So I want to really focus more on the United States versus some of the larger deals that came about worldwide So are the major combinations, do we think that they will increase? Based on our consulting experience and what clients are looking for, probably not. We think it will more than likely hold steady. Uh, In other words, there probably will not be a big rush for people to become 3,000, 4,000, 6,000 lawyers. 
uh, or combinations of hundreds of lawyers of law firms will ramp up to some unprecedented degree. So we'd say probably not based upon what we're seeing, probably not based upon the issue of capacity and demand and, and some other dynamics. Um, having said that, uh, there are some other data that are available on our website, and it's also for free. It's under our uh, quarterly survey of merger line where we track only in the United States, I should say again, mergers and acquisitions of law firms and have for the last eight years. So the data is available quarter by quarter and in total. But here's the really interesting part about that data, and I think it's instructive because it means it shows what law firms are actually doing versus maybe some of the hyperbole. Since the downturn in 2010, where we saw the fewest deals made throughout the United States, it has steadily built back to pre-recession levels, to the point where the last couple of years, 2013 and 14, um, over 80, sometimes approaching 90 deals were made throughout the United States. But this is what I'd like folks on the on the podcast to, to think about. We broke that down by firm size, in other words, acquired firm size. And so last year, over 80%, 83% of all deals in the United States were really acquisitions of firms that had 20 or fewer lawyers. And the majority of those 60% were firms of five or fewer lawyers. So you can see from a strategic standpoint what's going on, which is much larger fish gobbling up other smaller fish. And I think in some respects that's incredibly smart uh, and probably less risky and and less culturally divisive potentially. Uh, the over 200, in other words, a firm of over 100 being acquired, it was less than 3% of all the deals done. So, again, be thoughtful about what others are doing. I think there are clues there that that are smart to, to be thoughtful about. Uh, and take advantage of the data that's available on MergerLine. Not that you follow the Joneses, but simply because it's instructive to your strategic thinking. So when it comes to profitability, I know you said that these sort of um, big fish gobbling smaller fish, it's lower risk. Um, so in terms of profitability, are those smaller deals or acquisitions the best kinds of growth methods or um, laterals? Can you expand on that? I'd love to. Um, I think there's a higher probability, based on all of our experience, that some of these smaller deals are probably more profitable than a lot of the larger deals that we see done um, simply because we've done analyses about some of the larger deals and looking at profits per equity partner, which seems to be sort of the benchmark that most people want to follow. Uh, and those often don't yield very much in terms of increases. They are, uh, I call them ho-hum, uh, but they are not very robust in terms of profitability to the equity partners. And I believe there's one highly probable reason that that occurs, and that's this. We mentioned capacity and demand. 
when these big deals are done, the probability is there are a lot of lawyers who are underoccupied or underemployed or underperforming. A lot of words are often used. And if in those deals those folks are not dealt with either by way of not having them be part of the deal or sort of putting them on probation as we see people do, then what you end up with is more the ho-hum merger out there. So I hate to say it, but the the words asset rationalization uh, come to mind, which means you rationalize underproductive assets to make a merger effective, and that's what businesses do. So at the end of the day, I think that as these firms are doing some of these smaller deals, that one, they don't bring in as much excess capacity in their as much excess costs, and they might be more willing to say to three or four lawyers, you may not be part of the deal or you may not be an equity partner, as opposed to saying it to a situation I'm working on right now, which really a third of the lawyers shouldn't be part of the deal for it to be wow. accretive and not dilutive. So, yes, I think the smaller deals can ultimately be more profitable. So I think you're sort of getting at this a little bit, how do you see firms getting in trouble when they begin to look for these opportunities to combine? All right. I will segment that between firms that are um, looking to be acquired and firms that are actually acquisitive. So those who are acquisitive, we find that they're often not very clear about their combination criteria. Uh, we don't think that has to be lengthy and exhaustive, but it does need to be clear with respect to metric-driven criteria and other criteria like culture, because culture is very important to most firms. So the degree to which they not only list the specific criteria that they're looking for in a combination candidate, but their partnership is in agreement with that as well, and now they can begin searches in a much more business-like way. The other side is the firms who would like to be acquired for whatever strategic reason they've divined, and those firms need to ensure that they just don't make it seem like they're on the market to anybody and everybody. So that, to me, is a poor way to enter the market and can also lead to, well, lead to deals that maybe don't make quite as much sense and don't achieve whatever objectives they have. Um, so from an overall perspective, you would hope acquirers and sellers, as we call them, would be really thoughtful about documenting the criteria, both objective and potentially subjective, that's very important to them, and stick to it. Don't don't waver, so stick to it. And if you do that, you're a whole lot less likely to, quote, get in trouble. Well, thank you so much. That brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you to our guest, Tom Clay, for your expertise. Tom will be speaking about firm growth at ALA's Finance Conference for the Legal C-Suite, May 17th in Nashville, Tennessee. His joint session with Douglas Dorfler and Kevin Cash is called Rational Growth, Are Mergers the Answer? Visit the ALA website at alanet.org for more information, and thank you for joining us.